welcome to episode 10 of the Football Shirt Pod. Uh, today we're talking to uh, an actual football commentator. Um, Marion Reimars is, uh, she's a Mexican journalist, uh, sports commentator and TV presenter, currently working for F- Fox Sports Mexico. Um, and she is the first Hispanic woman to commentate on the Champions League final as well. She uh, she actually co-commentated on the semi-finals and the final of the 2019 Champions League, which those semi-finals, if you remember, weren't at all bad. Anyway, massive football fan, knows her stuff, huge shirt collector as well. Let's hear what she's got to say. Familiar to to millions, I guess. In uh, you have to correct me. Correct me if I get any of this wrong, please do, because I, I really don't want to. But you'll be familiar to to millions in uh, Mexico, Amer- Mexico, and, and the US as well. Is that right? Yes, I mean, uh, I, I work for Fox Sports. I've been working there for the last fourteen years, and we used to have two big hubs in the continent, one being Mexico and the other one being Argentina. Argentina used to transmit for all of the southern part of the continent. That means from Argentina up until Colombia, probably. And Mexico used to uh, do all of this uh, for Central America, the Caribbean and down to Venezuela and also for the Latin community in the US. I also used to work in Argentina. I worked there for two years because I studied a master's in journalism. So uh, I've been around the continent and, and, and I mean, quite, I, I, I don't know, just a couple of people know me from telly. So um, massive uh, love of, of sport in general. I think that's, that's fair to say, isn't it? But, but particularly football. And can you just tell us a bit about that kind of your, your sort of love affair with football? Uh, I mean, I, I, I practiced a lot of sports throughout my life. It was kind of a mandatory activity at home, I guess, because I was very active and my mom sort of had to figure out what to do with me. So I started out with swimming, tennis, horseback riding, basketball, handball, football, wow. uh, karate, athletics. And I ended up playing uh, 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 on the weekends. Um, before the pandemic, I used to play in a mixed team and in a in a all women's team and i mean it, it was kind of an organic path because i wanted to study journalism i didn't quite know i wanted to be a sports commentator but since i practiced sports for so long it just became a natural way and since most of what we transmit in latin america and it being the top one sport it was a logical thing to just specialize in football and I love it so much. It's such a rich history and rich culture. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how I got there. And so how, so you, you went from, um, having a, a kind of interest in journalism, wanting to pursue a career in journalism to then making that switch to, to sports and to football. How, how did that mm-hmm. come about? How, where, where was the kind of, what was the, the moment that made that kind of enabled you to make that leap? I, I, I think it was more of a process than a moment as such, but um, if, if, if I'd have to pin it down, I think uh, I was looking for a job. I desperately needed a job and I did a, a casting at Fox and I started learning like down from the bottom. I used to be in the graphics department, then I was an assistant and I sort of worked my way up. Um, 
And I think that it, it was just, I, I'm going to say that again, an organic path because I used to know sports. I know sports, I practiced them and I wanted to be a journalist and I had never thought about being a sports journalist. And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked and I said, I mean, I could do this for the rest of my life. This is pretty cool. So uh, I started specializing and uh, that's why I went to Argentina and that's what got me to also comment Champions League. I'm the first woman to comment on the final of Champions League. Yeah, that's incredible. That was last season, right? The Liverpool-Tottenham game. Absolutely. Yes, that was it. So just, we'll come on to that in a minute because I did want to talk to you about that. But um, just kind of more generally about the work that goes into um, preparing for a commentary. Because you, so, so let me get this right. You commentate and co-commentate. So you commentate and provide analysis separately. There's the kind of two roles that you fulfill. Is that right? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, we, we call it, or in, in American English, you would call it play-by-play. So that's sort of uh, the person that is yelling the goals it, yeah. because we yell goals. You guys don't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, I do that in women's soccer, in the Mexican Women's League. And when it comes to European football in regards of Bundesliga and Champions League, I co-commentate. I think that's what you guys call like yeah. that second role. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of giving, I guess, opinions and uh, perhaps a bit more analysis, analysis. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, da- yeah. and data and statistics and okay, all that. Yes, okay. exactly. so, so what kind of work goes into a, a game like the Champions League final? How Oof. much preparation goes into a game like that? And what, uh, where do you even start? Because it's, I mean, it just seems like a minefield. You get something wrong or, I don't know. I, I, I've always, something I think most football fans have always kind of had a big interest in actually, finding out a bit more about that work that goes into it. It, it, it is a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it is a hard job because, um, one thing that I've always said is that we're not the protagonists. The game is the protagonist and the players are the protagonists. And you have a lot of commentators and co-commentators who want to be in this uh, in this spotlight. We just have to go with the game and the game or the match is going to ask you the data or the situation as such. You're going to have to be ready for that. So the work that goes into that is also we need to analyze it from different angles. I think we need to give the audience, um, it's sort of a salad. You have to have a, a little bit of everything in it. So you have to talk about the story, the history of the teams, uh, how many times they've played against each other, the statistics, but you also have to talk uh, about tactics, the history of the coach, how does he play or she play, um, how did the teams get here, what happened in the last match. So uh, also about refereeing. So you have to know a little bit about everything or on, also understand how the fans have a relationship with what is happening. And I think that if you do that, we can involve all kinds of audiences because I also think there's a problem with journalists or with commentators in which we try to compete to see who is the most specialized one. But yeah. we also have to understand that this needs to be didactic. This, this needs to be a bit fun because you have five, six, seven, eight-year-olds or people who have never watched a match and that maybe they want to learn something. So you have to find a middle ground between someone who has watched everything and someone who is just looking at their first match. And, and when we talk about the Champions League final, obviously you're principally commentating on, I think you do Bundesliga, but, but principally, is it Mexican and, and South American football? Is that right? Um, no, it's it's mostly Bundesliga and Champions League and okay. uh, Mexican Women's League. Okay, okay. So in terms of uh, you know an all English Champions League final, 
that I guess mm-hmm. there's even added pressure there because you're perhaps le- slightly less familiar with those teams, particularly Tottenham, I guess. You know, no offence to any Spurs fans listening, but Tottenham haven't, you know, troubled the Champions League too much. So, um, you know, I guess that's, that's a, a kind of added level of, of pressure. Is that right? It is. It is because um, uh, always having two teams that are from the same league adds pressure in it, in it in, in, and you have to do a more thorough research because you have to find new data and you have to find new stories because these guys know each other so well that you have to find something different. And the game is probably going to be, as it happened in the final, a, a, a bit less exciting, a, yeah. a, 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 a bit different because I repeat, they know each other. But uh, in that sense, I mean, the thing is, we commented throughout the whole Champions League. Yeah. So we got to see many of Tottenham's games. And what we have to do, and that is a, an added amount of, of, of work, is... I mean, uh, we had to watch matches from Tottenham over the weekend no? in the Premier League. We also had to do that with German teams, with Italian teams, with Spanish teams. So we sort of specialize in European football, which I think is very interesting because um, we also tend to analyze football from our countries in South American football. I, also, I already did that when I lived in Argentina, but it doesn't happen the, the other way around. We've always had sort of this centralized or this, this, this Europeanized idea of what football is. And I think that in that sense, we should maybe broaden our, asp- or our, our horizons in terms of also having Europeans taking a look at what happens in other sides of the world. Yeah, definitely. That would be really interesting. How, how do you define your style? Um, you're talking about, um, you know, some, perhaps some commentators or co-commentators um, uh, you know, kind of wanting to be a bit more front and centre, and that's definitely a criticism of some um, uh, some of your colleagues in in the UK and, and Europe, I think. Um, but how do you, how do you define your style? What do you what do you try to bring to a, to a game? Uh, what I always try to bring to the game, and and I think that also has to do with shirts and 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 with what is one of our great passions, yeah. is I learned more. Uh, geography from football than I did at school probably oh, definitely, definitely definitely right yeah, yeah, like you yeah, get yeah, to yeah. know a team and you're like where are these guys from and you end <laughs> up knowing like learning about a, a city in Europe or in in, in yeah. Africa or in South America that yeah. you didn't even know about so mm. I think football has also uh, big teaching skills yeah. and not because I want to teach anybody anything I mean I'm also learning along the way but I think that if we give the audience also other stories uh, what I always try to do is um, for example when the when the match is beginning I tell I try to tell them a story about the stadium in which part of the city it is uh, which uh, what what you can see close by or sometimes when we were commenting the Bundesliga I mean it's it's even difficult to pronounce the names. So how can you make this this league feel closer to Mexicans? So yeah. what I used to do is, okay, we're going to travel to the city called Freiburg. And I mean, we're, I just gave them a comment about a minute or so. What can you go, what, what can you do if you go to Freiburg? Sightseeing, what can you eat there? So I think football, football is also culture. And yeah. I think that that is an important part of my style. Well, um, you mentioned the, the Liverpool Spurs Champions League final. Are there other, what are the other kind of big games that you've been um, that you've commentated on uh, so far well, in your career? Well, we went to the semi-finals, and I think those were one oh, of the wow. most amazing semi-finals ever. Uh, Unbelievable! We we got to go to all four of them. Wow. So first in Camp Nou with that wonderful Messi goal. Uh, I remember also what happened at Tottenham with Ajax uh, being yeah. just this very 
a slick, clean, young, fast vertical team. Mm. And after that, I mean, what happened in Amsterdam Arena and in and at Anfield was wonderful because I had never been to Liverpool, let alone Anfield. Wow. So it was. What was just the atm- an, what was the atmosphere like that? Oh, night? it was an overwhelming experience. I yeah. had never lived something like that. Uh, I mean, we love Estadio Azteca, and I think it, that's a vibe that you will never come across uh, unless you come here. But uh, Anfield was absolutely spectacular. And, and I mean, that match was just Insane. off the charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, so you were commentating on that game. How do you, when, when, the, when you see this thing, because 3-0, you know, even Klopp said, let's go out and enjoy it because he didn't expect them to go through. Let's, if this is our final game in the Champions League this season, let's go and enjoy it. As you see this story materialising in front of your eyes, I guess because, uh, I mean, I've never commented, I've written about football previously, I've written match reports on games that I've been to, but to I guess as a football fan as well, you know, you want to enjoy the game and, and, and kind of marvel at what you're seeing. How difficult is it to almost keep your composure? I, I, I think you're not always supposed to keep your composure because the audience also wants to wants you to get excited i mean yeah. we do this because we love this sport we do it because we're because we're passionate about it so i do think that you have to transmit with your voice with 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 your choice of words you have to transmit what is happening what is the ambience what is what is about to happen and yeah, yeah. there is something in the air um and in that sense i think that as long as we get excited about the story, the audience is going to be grateful for that. Yeah. One thing is when you start being partial and when they feel that you're not rooting for their team. I mean, you can imagine how many fans we have of Barcelona in, in, in Mexico. So most of them were very crushed. But <laughs> I do believe that they could understand that we were enjoying this from a neutral point of view. Yeah. And that is a big thing. Like, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to transmit emotions. But... What you mentioned is also very interesting because sometimes you don't even have the time to process what is happening. Mm. So you sometimes you need a day or so to analyze what happened last night and just kind of calm down and 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 and, and over like uh, uh, let it go through your mind again. You know? yeah, yeah, and and that's yeah. the difference, for example, between match reports and, and newspapers and what happens when you're live commenting and yeah. i think they're two very different functions but both very interesting yeah and, and you mentioned earlier the, the sort of difference between um uh south american or mexican commentary and and how we do it in the uk which is tends to be and in europe i guess it tends to be a bit more subdued perhaps a bit more conservative how how different is it and can you can, uh, i'm putting you on the spot here but could you give us an example <laughs> of how you would uh how the fourth goal at anfield how you would have uh, oh my god that? You're, you're gonna have to find that on the internet okay, you're gonna have enough, to find that on the internet <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna spoil it for you here okay. because it's much okay. more exciting to listen to to what happened there yeah. or uh i mean i can send you some clips from what we do with with the women's league but yeah. um uh, i mean the this this style started out probably in South America and Uruguay and in, in Argentina, which is this go like really long scream, yeah, yeah. which which has become kind of a trademark. Like each play by play commentator has his way of screaming goal. Yeah. And that is one of the like biggest signatures you have to have. If you cannot uh, scream goal adequately, they're not going <laughs> to hire you for a job that like right? that. <laughs> I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I also do enjoy 
the European style, because I do believe that sometimes our our um, style is a bit over the top. Because okay. you can have the most boring game ever, you know, nil-nil, yeah. and uh, after 75 minutes you have a goal that's like, Uh, Chicharito style scored, you know, with the back of his neck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and 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 you have the commentator screaming goal as if it was the end of the World Cup. Yeah. And sometimes I think that it's part of our culture, and and Latinos are like that, and and I absolutely yeah. love that. But I do believe that sometimes we're a bit over the top. Todavía el esférico con Origi, Origi. There's a commentator in this country called Alan Green, who's a mm -hmm. BBC commentator, and yes. he's very good at um, calling out a crap game when it's a crap game, um, and that's really refreshing because uh, actually on, on Sky Sports, which which kind of cops a bit of flack in this country for um, you know gets a bit of criticism for perhaps sensationalizing games sometimes when yes. they're really really boring um, i've read that yeah yeah there are some kind of old older school commentators who are who will basically tell fans how it really is and i think i think, think fans appreciate that because they know not every game's going to be brilliant it's just how it is <laughs> it's i think it's also almost like a philosophical question in terms of sports journalism where does entertainment stop and where does journalism start or mm. the other way around yeah i mean Are we supposed to entertain fans because a match is boring? Or are we actually supposed to tell them the truth and just say, you know, this is crap, this is rubbish, <laughs> the, the, the game is not good. But you risk the fact that the audience might switch the channel because nowadays competitions is so, competition is so big. Mm. Because I don't know how it used to be in, in, in the UK before, but I don't know, you had one match and there was no other thing on, on, on telly. Mm. And nowadays you have to compete against Netflix, you have to compete against uh, Amazon Prime or series or podcasts or this podcast. So uh, <laughs> you, you have to be careful yeah. with what you say. And I think that's a dilemma for, for commentators. Yeah. Um, I've got to talk to you about um, women, in, women in football. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about um, the situation in Mexico and, and uh, Central America and South America more, more generally. Um, but in the UK, we have been incredibly slow to um, uh, to kind of to, to include women basically in, in, to, in positions of commentary and anal football analysis, football journalism across the board, actually. Mm -hmm. That's changing really slowly. And we have some um, former professionals in this country Alex Scott being one of them, who's who's excellent, um, now getting a bit more of a chance, but still, it's you know they're still very much in the minority. I don't know what the situation is is like um, in in, Amer in Central America, South America. But I'd be really interested to find out about it, but I'm guessing it's probably some probably fairly similar. And I I just wonder how how big that kind of challenge is, and 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 how we kind of quicken the process. 
It's a, it's a wonderful question. I've read reports about what happens in the UK. I think uh, they're starting out some wonderful mentoring programs in the BBC mm. for uh, women to start training uh, and not be put on the spotlight so quickly because that also happens. You have this idea of, oh my God, now we have to compensate for, for what we've been doing wrong for millennia. So, <laughs> or millennia. So let's yeah. just put a woman there and, and see what happens, yeah. right? And she gets criticized and, and, and stones are being thrown at her and she, she maybe didn't get the due process in terms of learning and, 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 and I'm not saying, I mean, I, I don't know the, 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 the market in UK, but it's, it's kind of something that I've, that I've read. And they might be also very well prepared, but the audience might not be prepared or their colleagues might not be well prepared. Yeah. Um, in South America, uh, in my experience in Argentina and, and what's been going on in Brazil and such, there, there has been an improvement, definitely. Um, in Mexico and in Central America, because it's almost like talking about two continents, because we're very much influenced about what happens in the US. Yeah. Uh, there's also been um, some steps forward. But the thing is, we cannot only pay attention to what happens on screen mm. or on audio. We have to understand that there is also a big assignment in terms of having women as producers, uh, editorial chiefs, um, being being part of the decision making mm -hmm. and i think it's very interesting to realize what happens in, in i mean for example my family is german right so i'm kind of uh aware of what is happening in germany also and the steps haven't been big there either so mexico is absolutely a more sexist and misogynistic country in terms of its laws and the treatment of women in general But I find it very interesting to see that across sports around the globe, there is still the idea that we don't belong there, mm -hmm. that men have sports embedded in their DNA, which let me tell you a secret, a lot of men know a lot of a lot less about sports than they actually <laughs> pretend to know. And that is fine. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just a thing like they, they always need to to like feel that if they know sports, they're, they're worthy. And I mean, the same happens with us. I don't think it should be news that a person with different genitalia can analyze a strategic game with other 22 humans and memorize their names. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't sound like much of a task. And even before I said it's 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 difficult and it's 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 a lot of hard work. But yeah. I mean, I think we should absolutely change that narrative, and that yeah. is also going to change. I'm I'm sorry. Um, if we have more women being protagonists of, of sports stories. And mm. that has to do with also, I mean, go watch a match of your NWSL league yeah. or, or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, the, what is the women's women's game like in Mexico, is it? Because in this country, it's actually the last two or three years, I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that the international team were quite successful. Wonderful, um, so good. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's that's had a really positive knock-on effect, and uh, not just at, at the top level. I think you know we're seeing much more grassroots football for women now, which is which is excellent. Um, what's it like in Mexico? Well, uh, we started having a semi-professional slash professional league three years ago. Yeah. It was a huge breakthrough. It had a lot to do with Mexico hosting the 2026 World Cup and all of these. Um, Uh, uh, um, how do you say that in English? Well, but, well, the the thing that FIFA says you have to do in order to host a World Cup, oh, right? Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So every team needed to have a, a women's team, and yeah. it has 
broken a lot of records in terms of assistance. Uh, I think up until recently with 51 or 52,000 people, we had the record for a women's match in history. Uh, It was amazing. It was a a final between Rayadas and Tigres. Uh, The level has been improving. Uh, Evidently, the the pandemic has, uh, I mean, hurt deeply uh, women's sports all around the world. But I do think that there is an, an interesting... An interesting thing happening, which is you have teams that take it seriously and teams that don't. Uh, you have, uh, like like it happens in the UK, for example. Mm. I mean, Liverpool getting relegated whilst their men winning the Champions League is one of the best examples of that. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, you have Chelsea investing uh, uh, very uh, hardly in, in, in their team. Yep. Manchester City uh, yep. also being interesting. And on the other hand, you have Real Madrid, which... Uh, just recently had a women's team. They didn't do much about it in, in the media. And now they lost their fir- first Clásico for nil. So uh, I think yeah. that uh, this just shows that there are teams that have the will and also a little bit of the power to, to do so and teams that don't. Yeah. And, and I think it just has to do with willpower and discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Football is, is it has, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, football has such power, such social influence. And yet actually it's, in a number of fronts, around, particularly around sexism, racism, homophobia, it's so slow to kind of catch up with the consensus of you know the rest of society. Is, is, why is that? And what, how, how do we kind of quicken that process? Why is it that football <laughs> seems to be such a, a kind of a big ship to turn around? That's a wonderful question. I wish I had the answer, but uh, I think that I have a few hints. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's the governing of football. It's been incredibly corrupt historically, mm. and just recently there have been all of these issues yeah. in which if the governance isn't clean, you're not going to come forward mm. uh, or you're not going to move forward. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I also believe that we do need to take example from what happens in women's sports. And that happens in tennis, that happens in basketball, that happens mm. in football, where you see all of these athletes trying to leave their space or, or the space they occupied better than it looked like when they arrived. You have Billie Jean King, you have the players of the WNBA now protesting against racism. Uh, you have women like Megan Rapino. you have uh, Ada Hegerberg trying to do something that is beyond themselves. Yeah. And you don't get to see that very much in male sports. No. It's more like everyone is just out, for, out there for themselves. Yeah. And I think we should use that example and, and also teach players. I mean, what happened with, with Marcus Rashford, for example. We need more Marcus Rashfords. Yeah. We need less Neymar, yeah. more Marcus Rashford. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, yeah, that, that using that kind of, uh, you know, the platform that footballers have um, mm-hmm. in the men's game to do a bit more with it is, yeah, and Rashford is a great example of that. Can, can we talk about Mexico versus as well, which is uh, yeah. your, uh, is, it, is it a charity or a campaign? I don't quite know how to describe it. Can you just talk to tell us a bit about it and how it came well, about? It, it is a project. It's an NGO. Do yeah. you call it like yes. that over yeah, there yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. It is an NGO. We founded yeah. it three years ago. We started with a campaign against uh, digital violence, against uh, sports journalists or women in, in sports media. Because mm-hmm. I 
define myself as a sports journalist. I study journalism, but I have other colleagues who are just entertainers and that's fine. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to remove the just because that was unfair and my English is not as good as I wish, but they are entertainers yeah. and they're big sports fans, but they are not aiming to be journalists. Yeah. And we realized that the insults towards them and towards me were very uh, horizontal in terms of us being women in, in sports media. Yeah. Yeah. So we started with this campaign and uh, nowadays we have been working for women and uh, groups that have been historically forgotten or, or just uh, sidelined to uh, be included in sports. Um, so, I mean, the idea is uh, to do a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work, but uh, we're about to publish a book which is called Pioneras. It's the oral history of the first women's football league in Mexico. Um, we are working with a media observatory in terms of uh, analyzing and understanding how much content about women do we have in media and how much of that content is quality content because it is not only important to talk about women, it is important how we talk about women. And that is something that yeah. sometimes we don't take into account. So we have been uh, working on all of these different projects and uh, it's another part of, of my life that I enjoy very much. Yeah, and and um, I think you mentioned the, the I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but the, the social media aspect to this, um, mm -hmm. which um, you know kind of amplifies some of those voices that wouldn't otherwise be heard. This is obviously a common theme uh, when it comes to social media more generally. Um, you know, is that is something you have to contend with? Obviously, you have a social media presence. Is that <laughs> something you have to contend with on a daily basis? I mean, I've kind of outsourced it because yeah. uh, that has to do with, with the campaign we launched three years ago as well. It is very difficult to wake up uh, and look at your phone because it's one of the most intimate things we have nowadays. Mm -hmm. And uh, opening Twitter and just reading, I'm, I'm sorry for the, for, this, for the foul language, but uh, go ahead, go ahead. you're a whore, you're an idiot, uh, you're a lesbian, because I still don't know why lesbian should be used as an insult, but fine. I mean, it speaks to the, the state of mind of these people. Yeah. And we have to understand that, I mean, we are public figures and we sort of uh, signed up for being in, 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 in the spotlight and having people talk about our work. But... If that transcends to personal insults, to death th threats, to rape threats, I think it goes a bit too far. And what usually happens is people tell you, oh, come on, it's just Twitter. They're just trolls. Mm -hmm. Yes, but I think that speech also normalizes violence. And we live in a world in which we should not normalize violence, in which we, in, in which we should not uh, just take this for granted and understand that that's the way it is I think we need to push back a little bit or change the narrative and that's why I sort of outsourced my social media I sometimes just go and, and look what's going on there but yeah. I think there's also a, a, a deep misconception of what journalism is nowadays journalism can work on different platforms but being on Twitter doesn't make you a journalist and I think that reading your news and Twitter doesn't make you informed. And I think we need to push the brakes a little bit and take a step back, look at the big picture and understand this as a tool and not as a central part of our lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, I mean, it's the, some of the things you described there are so unbelievably depressing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like in, in, in the... This newsletter from the Guardian, they call it social media disgrace or something like that, yeah. which, which they are. Yeah, so, uh, well, well, 
let's let's change the subject to something that isn't depressing and that is football shirts okay. something that i know um you have a passion for um talk to us about football shirts and, and why you love them okay uh i love football shirts what should i say about them um <laughs> i have to had important and interesting negotiations at home because they keep up so much space yeah and i don't know what, what to do with them anymore more because I love them all but um, <laughs> it started out because I I got to travel around a lot because of football and I always felt it was a nice souvenir to buy a shirt from the team of the city I visited mm -hmm. so uh, it, it it becomes sort of this rarity rarity right like uh, when I went to Thailand for example I wanted to buy shirts from Th from teams from Thailand yeah. or when I went to Paraguay and 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 I wanted to buy like this weird shirt from I don't know second or third tire team and uh, <laughs> that's how it started out the thing is um, I mean I'm sorry to bring gender into this again but it's so difficult because as a girl, you want to buy a shirt that you can wear and that sort of looks good on you and not like a huge blanket because yeah. you end up looking like a ghost <laughs> and they're usually like big sized and the cut is just horrible. Yeah. Or if you have the sh like if you buy a woman's shirt, they're usually having this huge cleavage because I don't know who who designed <laughs> a T-shirt for us to play football with a huge cleavage. I mean, it's absolutely Blatter, idiotic. Yeah, yeah that yeah. guy. I yeah, mean, yeah. But if you're a designer and you're listening, just please make nice shirts for us. Um, <laughs> and in that sense, it, it, it became a challenge. So yeah. I started realizing that I might not wear all of these shirts that I bought because they didn't fit or they didn't look good. So instead, I, I started buying things on the Internet because there's nothing better than having a glass of wine and buying shirts on the Internet <laughs> <laughs> and emptying my credit card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you must have some, some bizarre shirts from around the world of clubs that people will never have heard of uh, yes i mean clubs and, and, and national teams uh, last okay. last year we we traveled to africa so we bought um one from botswana one from zimbabwe uh, south africa of course oh, uh kaiser chiefs oh, and gracious. um i mean i've been getting a lot from from you guys as well to be honest yeah. uh i i i, I was looking for sure, that was different, and I saw this uh, Japan Japanese yes. League referee shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, I mean, how beautiful is it to have a shirt from a from a referee? Because yeah, they're the last guys we pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been doing that, and it, it's it's quite a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And and um, is there anything any kind of era or or um, uh, country or or, or uh, yeah, any kind of particular area of shirts that you have particular favorites for you? Oh, first thing is, I, I believe, long sleeved. Oh, definitely. They're beautiful. Definitely. I, I absolutely love them. Yeah, love yeah, Long sleeved yeah. shirts are, are something completely different. Yeah. Um, I'm an Adidas ambassador, so I tend to buy Adidas because of that. I yeah. mean, they're also very beautiful shirts and, and yeah. they've been always tied with, with football. Uh, my but being half german and i'm always drawn towards germany particularly germany away with this amazing green yeah. uh, shirts yeah. yeah yeah and i think uh, being being a, a an, an 80s or kid i i like to buy 80s shirts not that i grew up in the 80s but i was born in the 80s and i think that still that this kind of cotton styled uh 
shirt that looks more like a t-shirt than a football shirt. Yeah. And also they're easier to wash and they don't smell as bad because <laughs> after that, when we had like um, um, all of these other fabrics, uh, yeah. I mean, no offense, but they smell like crap. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. The, the, so I'm also born in the 80s just um and but my I, I love 90 shirts i think it's because that's when oh, i started yeah. first falling in love with football and, and also the, the the designs are so bold and weird in the 90s weren't they with really kind of weird graphics on them yes. and stuff like that so and then that's very them. much in vogue again now isn't it? we're seeing the, those this kind of shirts now that are, are very yeah some, have you any obscure shirts from the uk at all from your travels any obscure shirts from the uk not not that obscure actually okay, okay. um I have a, a very beautiful Liverpool uh, yeah, shirt yeah. that I bought when I was at Anfield, and, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the, the one with uh, Candy being the sponsor. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. the season, but they had it in grey and in, yeah, in red yeah, with yeah, all yeah, these yeah. weird patterns. That's right, yeah. Like, oh, it's uh, so it was, cool. It was around 1990, yeah. It was either late 80s, very early 90s, around that era. Yeah, yeah real iconic. Liverpool shirts that one particularly the grey one I mean but yeah the, the red one the, the gorgeous looking shirt it's gorgeous and and yeah. I think that little by little we'll we're, we'll be having these shirts that are specially designed for women's teams it mm. happened with Mexico for example mm. Adidas designed a particular shirt for them uh I believe like five years ago yeah uh for I think it was for the for the Central American games or Pan American games yeah and um Little by little, we'll be having that. So I think I'm going to be also steering towards that direction and having particular shirts that have to do with women's football. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's a fantastic France shirt with the, the polka dots on it <gasps> from a couple of years ago. Which is, That's so gorgeous. gorgeous. And it has the matching socks. Yeah, it, oh, the socks are amazing, aren't they? So nice. That's so, nice. so cool. It's in, so in uh, on the website, um, we sell quite a few Mexican club shirts now and they're yes. really, really popular. I mean, massively popular, um, which is really interesting. I think it's just that feeling of something that's kind of a bit exotic and, and different. Mm -hmm. And also the shirts are great as well. So that always helps. Um, but I think um, Mexican football more generally, I was going to mention uh, Maradona in Mexico, um, which kind of shone a light on on Mexican football and um, Dorados. Is that how am I pronouncing it yes. correctly? Yes, yeah. Sinaloa, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a brilliant documentary on Netflix. Um, and the weird league system in Mexico, which I had absolutely no knowledge of before this. I was just watching it thinking, I, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, when Dali came, when, when Breton and Dali came to Mexico, yeah. they said, we thought we invented surrealism, but it already existed and it's this country. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful way to describe this amazing country, which I love so much. Yeah. We have also this beautiful shirt with the Aztec calendar, the national team shirt, the yeah. blue, um, green and, and sort of like white silverish one, which is one of my favorites. Amazing. Um, yes, we have a, a, a very weird system, uh, yeah. sort of uh, it, it used to be like in Belgium where you have eight teams qualifying for a playoff and short tournaments we don't have long tournaments like you guys it's yeah. just like uh four or five months yeah um and now they also eliminate relegation so no competition there yeah. Uh, right. so yeah it's it's like a weir very weird system i don't yeah. think it's the best idea sports wise but we do have a lot of talent that is uh, getting better and better 
and exporting players, male and female, to important leagues in the world. I mean, you have Raul Jimenez with Wolverhampton. You used to have Chicharito United, yeah. and uh, all these other players. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're 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 weird. I've seen a lot <laughs> of uh, America T-shirts on your site, yeah. which I do appreciate for their aesthetics. Uh, it's not a very much love team in this house. Uh, oh, okay. Because my 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 girlfriend is a, a Pumas fan, uh, okay. and I think that that logo. I mean, I'm not oh, a Pumas yeah. fan, but yeah, 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 that yeah. logo from Pumas is just one of the most beautiful ones in the world. Just really quickly, actually, something I forgot to ask you that I must ask you. Yeah, uh, that's who do you support? Or oh, can you, are I, you not allowed to say? No, I am. I oh. mean, I support San Pauli in Germany. Yeah, oh. which is great, great one job. of the coolest teams on earth. One hundred. And uh, in Mexico, I'm a big Chivas fan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's why we yeah. don't like America. Oh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. They do have good shirts, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do have good shirts, absolutely. And just Mexicans playing in that team ever since they started out. So Is they have right? never hired uh, a foreign player. No, For just club, Mexican club, players. Club America? Uh, no, Chivas. Chivas, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like Athletic de Bilbao in yeah, that sense. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Same colors as well. Yeah, ah, amazing. <laughs> um, uh, what is, what's kind of next for you? What, what projects are you working on and, um, and, and what, what else can we kind of expect to see you involved in? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I'm, I, I will hopefully get uh, the chance and the honor to keep on transmitting Champions League, Women's League and Bundesliga and some other tournaments. And um, I'll be publishing a book next year. It's called Juega Como Niña, Play Like a Girl, which is uh, thought to... I, I don't know, be an incentive for women and girls to practice sports, not to do exercise, but to practice sports, because usually we start exercising around 13 or 14, just to look good in a bikini, which I think is absolutely stupid and we should yeah. just enjoy sports. Um, and I will hopefully be emptying my credit card with you guys still, <laughs> uh, collecting football shirts and, um, yeah, yeah. Being also able to talk more about women's sports, I think that is that is very important, and and also drawing more women towards sports journalism. I think that that is one of the goals we should have in in general. How great was Marion? Probably my favourite guest so far. No offence to anyone else that we've interviewed so far for the podcast. Um, an absolute pleasure to talk to her and to find out more about her career. Um, we ran a competition this week on Twitter and Instagram to give away a Chivas shirt, um, uh, as you just heard, Marianne's favourite team. Uh, and I have the results of who's won. Congratulations to Alan Smith. Uh, that's at Flanderosa on Twitter. Um, and our Instagram winner is Niall Crocker. So congratulations to you too, Niall. Uh, we'll be in touch shortly to find out where to send your prizes to. That's it from us for this week. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again with episode 11 soon. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, ask us some questions, email mail at coltkits.com or contact us through Twitter and Instagram at Cold Kids. would be great to hear from you. Perhaps you've got some suggestions of who you'd like us to speak to in the future. Whatever, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Until the next episode. 